Hello Slashies and welcome to Slashed, a horror podcast where we talk about the scares, the screams and the spooky stuff. I'm Grace and my name is Wouter and today is a very special episode because we've actually got a guest host on. Would you please introduce yourself to the audience? Hello, my name is Joey and thank you for having me today. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for being here. It's so cool to have a guest host and um, the reason why we invited Joey is well because he's a dear friend of ours but but also because um, we actually, the three of us and a couple of other friends, saw the lighthouse for the first time in February uh, in Ireland uh, just slightly before the world (laughs) shut down Uh, and back then we all like loved the film and had lots of things to say about it so it only Mm -hmm. felt appropriate that we invite Joey over to experience this with us again <laughs> so uh without further ado before we dive into it we'll once again have grace grace us with one of her synopses <laughs> take it away grace thank you uh, the lighthouse is a 2019 psychological thriller directed and co-written by robert eggers and produced by a24 the film stars robert patterson and willem defoe referred to primarily as winslow and wake as two lighthouse keepers stationed together on a remote island. Windsor and Wake are immediately at odds with each other. Wake gets to visit the enigmatic lantern at night while Windsor is stuck doing the hard work and dirty chores during the day. Windsor becomes obsessed with accessing the lantern. He's also experiencing visions of an attractive mermaid who tries to seduce him and subsequently drown him. The mermaid vaguely resembles a small figurine that he found buried in his mattress. Wake wants Windsor to stay away from the lantern itself. He reveals that Wake's predecessor convinced himself that there are sirens on the island and that the light of the lantern would bring him salvation. This only fans Windsor's growing obsession with the mermaid figure he found in his bed and the light's attraction. The already uncomfortable and hostile relationship between Winslow and Wake intensifies when Winslow, against Wake's warning, brutally kills one of the seagulls that plague the island. The wind changes and a heavy storm clouds the island for the rest of the film, trapping Winslow and Wake. Winslow becomes increasingly unhinged and it's no longer clear what is really happening, when it is happening and to whom. After a night of heavy drinking, Winslow reveals that his real name is Thomas Howard and he is responsible for the real Winslow's death. Not long after this, Winslow tries to escape the island, but Wake seemingly destroys his lifeboat before he can get away. Winslow attacks Wake, inducing a fever scene in which Wake, the mermaid and Poseidon all blend together. Winslow forces Wake to get in a shallow grave and attempts to bury him alive. Winslow finally gets the key to to the lighthouse and he makes his way up the stairs to see the light. The final scenes show how the light overpowers Winslow and his Promethean end. (laughs) <laughs> sounds a lot less damning when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, I did not want to put it in there. He gets eaten and shit on by birds. No, no, <laughs> I mean just the whole thing, you know. I thought I really thought it would be easier the second time around. I really thought, oh, <laughs> like we've seen it once, like we know what to expect, and still didn't know what to expect. <laughs> and how wrong we were. Yeah, because. <laughs> I, I went into okay I went into this film like the second time the first mm-hmm. time like I knew this was going to be awesome the first time I saw the trailer I just knew this was a film I was going to love and yeah. I did but the second time I watched this is like you think you know everything that's going to happen because you've seen the whole thing and you can sort of remember and piece together like all the scenes that you've seen before but still the film finds a way to blindside you at every turn there's just <laughs> nothing like I, I thought like oh you know Second viewing, I get to look for all the cool little details that the director has hidden from us. Nope, nope, it's just 
another huge double massive two men just going at it for <laughs> one and a half hours straight and it's yeah it's so it actually gave me a headache like just <laughs> trying to look for some trying to something to grip onto and i think it's because um the first time when i watched it i you kind of assume that everything you see is actually happening and happening in the right order and then near the end of the film you realize maybe that's not the case but the second time round i was kind of tuned into that so i thought oh i'm sure i'll understand the film much better now and in fact it just showed me how early on it actually becomes this mess and that's awesome i understand less of the film than i did after the first viewing thank you <laughs> yeah, and it also had this really weird thing where I misremembered when what is supposed to happen yeah. with the bird stuff. It was so early in the film, and I remember it as being something that's near the end, or not the end, but more mm. like after the middle, right? More like yeah. after the middle part, and it was really yeah. early, so that really threw me off. Because it feels like that's the point where everything escalates, yeah. but that's maybe the end of Act 1, I'd yeah. say, because then the wind changes. So that's so strange because it's such a heavy scene to yeah. watch <laughs> yeah because it literally just beats you over the head with it yeah. you know it just sort of drums it into your skull and it really makes it this sort of um you know this sort of voodoo ritual almost mm. where it's just him beating the witch drum and every time he beats it it sort of mm -hmm. uh, uh, heralds his own doom yeah but things like yeah what you said joey like you when are things supposed to happen in the film because we don't even hear their names until like I want to say 45 minutes in. Yeah. Like, there's two characters in the film, and we don't even hear Wake's name until, like, an hour in. Mm. And it's so weird. Like, and we accept that. Why? Um, in the script, um, they were actually referred to as old and young. And I think that almost... Yeah, it suits them better, because apart from them both being called Thomas, the names are almost... It, it doesn't really matter, because they're more symbols than characters anyway i'd say yeah and even the name wake is like it's almost like a homophone for wiki like mm -hmm. he's sort of almost become eponymous with the job he's doing it just yeah. Yeah, that's what he's just reduced to he is just a wiki well he's a liar as well so maybe he chose that name because it would fit this job better yeah oh that's i like that yeah mm -hmm. that's a good take yeah and also like i don't know how biblical you want to get with this but then like thomas the the, the unbeliever is that what it's called in mm -hmm. English like the the one who didn't believe that Jesus had risen again like there's if you want to go that way there's mm -hmm. definitely some plot significance in there like, yeah with, like sort of signifying like doubt and mistrust like what is real what do I believe and I think uh, the names are actually a reference to the story that it is based on or at least a true story that it's based on because it references loads of work uh, but it's um I'm, I'm going to say somewhere in England, which is way too vague, but something like this happened where two wikis got stuck on an island together and they ended up killing each other and they were both called Thomas. <laughs> and that's about all I know about the story, but uh, that was a huge inspiration for this. That is... That's insane. How do you end up killing one another? Oh yeah, well, okay, I guess, so, like in the film. Yeah. Well, I guess then one of them ended up sort of killing himself. Yeah. Well, no, let's back paddle to that, actually. Let's get back to that mm -hmm. when we get to the ending, because yeah. we actually had some discussion about that before we went into it. I can see some gears grinding, Joe. What are you thinking? Yeah, but 
It can be the one killed the other, right? And the other just simply died at some point, right? Yeah, because if you're you stuck have, there. Yeah, you're yeah, stuck, stuck there for super long. So you might just die from some kind of food trouble, illness, whatever. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. many possibilities are very long there. Birds. Birds. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking lamp yeah. oil. Sirens. Sirens. Yeah. 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 Uh, Stairs. Stairs, yeah. Axes. Yeah, Axes. yeah. Um, scurvy. Yeah. yeah, no, oranges there. Oranges. Just yeah. yeah, let's talk about the food. Let's talk oh about the damn food. Yeah. Because, okay, this is a thing that I've noticed looking at horror films, and uh, I'll briefly touch upon that. That's not really the point I want to make, but mm -hmm. just the food looks disgusting. Like, <laughs> and I don't think it would have looked better or worse if it had not been in black and white. Mm -hmm. The food looks disgusting. I think that's, and that is a thing that any ambitious horror film should do is make the food look like crap because you can see it in. Midsummer, you can see it in. Uh, I'm thinking of anything. You can see it in here. Just food needs to look gross. That's just <laughs> let's park that somewhere and not think about it anymore. No, I want to know how much food they actually had, and how because I feel like they had food for like a week, and then they just started drinking. You don't know. Um, I mean, they were going to be there for four weeks. They say that at the, at the beginning to yeah. four weeks, and then. Everything kind of goes semi smoothly until he's supposed to be picked up. Yeah. And then um, they're not, and then you skip a few days, right? Because he's like, "Oh, be able to come tomorrow." And then Wake is like, "What are you talking about? You've been saying that for two weeks, so that means they're already there for six weeks." Yeah. And, and you don't know if that's true. If that's true, that maybe they haven't been rationing enough, because I'm sure you bring enough for a month, but not for. Maybe two or three. No. Um, they had the lobster rationing, but... Um, yeah, and I, I find it weird, though, that they talk about rationing, because if you look at the portions, they're eating quite big portions at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, their plates are full of whatever it is, bacon and shit. Um, and if the lobster... Okay, I can, I can see that the lobster is just a feast, you know? Mm -hmm. like it's, oh, it's a final day, I'll make lobster, you know? Yeah. But if it isn't... Mm -hmm. then that's the point where the rations have run out because that's the point where they have to go fishing for lobster. Yeah. And that's one day before they're supposed to be picked up. Yeah, but also how many meals do they eat a day, right? Because we've only seen them basically eat together at what yeah. I presume is night. Yeah. Yeah. So right, so... One. Yeah, one meal a day. And it's not that much that they're eating, right, if it's only one meal a day. Yeah. I, I also kept thinking, what are they drinking, like, except for alcohol? Because clearly <laughs> the water is out. At some point they're making coffee, I assume... With water. With water, <laughs> or they're just making straight up rum coffee or whatever they're drinking. Yeah. Like, you must be so dehydrated. Maybe this is just two people getting really dehydrated and that, this is what happens. Yeah, possibly, potentially. I like if we're going with the dehydration route that they, that they didn't go for um, them drinking salty water. Like, mm -hmm. I, I like that they sort of avoided that cliché. Because that, that's, of course, cliche, like people being lost at sea and then how long did it take before you start drinking the salty water, you know? So I like yeah. that that's not in there. Because uh, I, I like not doing cliches. Yeah. Yeah. I like that it's I like that it's not sea-focused, you know? You see that Wake is sort of a sailor man, or at least he says he is, and that's sort of this, that the sea is his thing. But I like that uh, instead of drinking salty water, they drink oil, because then it sort of sticks within that isolation of the lighthouse, yeah. you know? It's all all natural elements of the lighthouse and not the sea is like kind of irrelevant even maybe it's also them trying to get a little bit of the light inside of themselves yeah yeah it might be a little warmth yeah so what is the light 
So you, what does it? Okay, do I want to say what does it symbolize or just what's inside the thing? Yeah, well, both. Both are interesting questions. Okay, let's start with what's inside the actual lantern. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I I'm I'm gonna say nothing. 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 Yeah, just a lamp. Just a lamp. Uh, Wake says there's a flame in there, right? And yeah. there's like all kinds of weird shit happening when he's <laughs> like staring at it, right? With the effects and the sound and stuff like that. So. Mm. It could be basically anything. Maybe it's just some kind of weird thing that gives you some kind of mental distortion, right? Because it was mm. filmed in such a weird manner. Yeah. Especially compared to the rest of the film, right? Yeah. yeah because the, the, the thing you're talking about is like uh, when it opens up and it shines in Winslow's face and he yeah. just starts screaming, but his voice sort of distorts with the sound yeah. of the film. Yeah. that's. So I think it's sort of a psychedelic of some, some stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I was watching a video by Acolytes of Horror who's really good, so go check out his channel. And he interpreted as um, Winslow realizing that it was all for nothing and it is just a lamp and they've been fighting over it and killing each other over it and it, it's nothing. And it's basically him laughing that he walked into that trap. Um, I interpreted it differently. I definitely thought there was some kind of otherworldly thing in there that was so strange and supernatural that he couldn't comprehend it and it just broke his brain oh. at least that's how the, how i interpreted the first time yeah the first time i uh interpreted it a bit more uh lovecraftian as well yeah Thank with you the very much. tentacles uh, yeah exactly it's it is a very lovecraftian film at at, uh, at points uh, but I think I like the um, the nothing ending more yeah. um, mm -hmm. also would have liked what I just sort of popped into my head how fun would it have been like you, there wouldn't have been a reveal if it's just an endless more stash of booze like if Wake <laughs> just has a fuck ton of bottles just crammed in there and, and porn it just, or something and porn. <laughs> yeah. just a crusty barnacled porn yeah. bag which is basically for them the, the sublime right that's the yeah. sublime for them at this point <laughs> yeah. for so long yeah an actual woman yeah. <laughs> oh wouldn't that be the worst just like <laughs> Oh, just keeping a woman in there. Just, just oh. the lamp opens and just like a leg. Yeah, <laughs> like a mermaid tail just sort of flops out. Yeah. Uh, also um, being deprived of water. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. a nice crisp bottle of water. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh man, me in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. I, I do like how the, the lamp is filmed though because mm. I've Googled pictures and I think it looks... Accurate. I don't think they did anything funny with how the lamp is supposed yeah. to look in real life. I think that's just a normal lighthouse light. But the way it sort of is filmed from the inside, it's all almost like it's in this glass crystalline case. Yeah, it's almost like a Fabergé egg, you know. It's sort uh -huh. of got the, all these like nice edges and it's shiny and it's like almost like it's on display in like yeah. a museum. I think in any case, I'm glad that there's no definitive answer to be given about Very what much. is in there. I'm glad they focus on. Uh, Robert Patterson's face for that final reveal because in the end that's what's interesting that's what you're building up to yeah. it doesn't really matter what's in there it matters that these people thought it was important enough to kill over yeah and especially on my second viewing like for the first viewing I definitely focused most on what's in the light yeah uh, because that is what the film is building mm -hmm. up towards and that's what the film wants you to focus on but on the second viewing like um, you know that it's not going to give you anything mm -hmm. so then you start paying attention to as you said like the struggle that these men are having and that's like, like yeah. infinitely, more, infinitely more interesting 
the same with the mermaid and um, Win Winslow's backstory. Like I was really interested in who's this guy that he keeps seeing, and now I know. Okay, so it's his former boss that he killed and then took his name. But it's almost not. It, it feels so insignificant when you think about what's actually going on in the film. Yeah, it's very no. strange. I think that's a really interesting thing and a clever thing for a film to be able to do where you've seen all of its secrets and the film just got more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of secrets, the, the spitting the beans thing. Because <laughs> um, it was such a meme. Because we... Because uh, it, it's in the trailer, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of just dropped in there out of nowhere and it's kind of funny as well like why you just spill your beans that was just the insight <laughs> which is not how he says it but no, it's no. definitely how we said it <laughs> yeah so like that was the meme and um ah oh, shit i lost my train of thought yeah i was really worried that we'd be sitting there in the movie theater and that moment would pop up and we would just all start laughing and just be like oh, why did you spill your beans and then everyone would think we were super annoying for doing that but when it actually happened in movie theaters, it was so tense that I don't think any one of us was even thinking about laughing or no. about the meme. Even though there's lots of stuff in there that's really funny, right? Like yeah. it's I'm I'm not sure I'm sure it's supposed to be actually mm. because all this stuff happens and it's almost comical, right? It's not really like funny, funny, but comical yeah. because it's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. But especially the part like it's almost slapstick with um, like it's all a bit of Stan and Ollie-esque like the, where they're painting the lighthouse yeah. with um, Winslow sitting in like the rickety ass chair and then uh, Wake sort of lowering him in these like intervals mm -hmm. and he just goes so every time until like the funny stops and he drops him to the ground yeah. by accident quotes. Yeah. the same with like Winslow and Wake's fight over the lobster and I think it's one of the it, it's one of the best speeches in the film if not the best speech but it's really funny in a weird way because it is about not liking the food that week was serving and he gets really upset about it it's when you see him the most upset is when his food is being criticized and that is funny but when you're watching the scene it's not funny it's terrifying it's a little funny it's both it's ridiculous. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just weird, right? Because yeah. he's such a, well, not necessarily stoic per se, but still mm. kind of, you know, like reserved and uh, not really emotional on his own behalf, right? Yeah. And he is really, he seems hurt by the idea that his food might not be yeah. good, which is really weird. It's just... Mm. Yeah. Especially because he has this position of power over yeah. Windsor, so why would you even care anymore? But I think it, it is... I think power and the power struggle is at the core of the story. Especially if you think about them as young and old, it, it is about old feeling threatened by young, feeling like my position at the top of the lighthouse is being threatened by this younger person who could um, replace me and then I would have no purpose and would die, basically. Yeah, and wouldn't find work anywhere else. Yeah, and then young is struggling with this idea of being awake's uh, employee for no other reason than that wake is older mm -hmm. and being treated very unfairly just because he's younger but not necessarily because he's less skilled and also the idea that um Winslow is deprived of a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. Being there, wake as well, but still, Winslow is the perspective that we mostly get, right? Yeah. And he's deprived of uh, physical touch, of good food, of water, even uh, alcohol mm -hmm. at this point, uh, even satisfaction at some point, right? Yeah. When he's like 
doing his stuff in yeah, the sexual in gratification. Yeah. yeah. Right. So there's nothing going on at all, and I'm, I think that the part of the power is also getting that gratification somewhere, yeah. right? Be, albeit in the lighthouse, be it in being the leader in some kind of stuff, having yeah. power over the other, not having to do the shitty chores, whatever, right? Yeah. Like something. And that's the sad thing, because he's thinking of he wants to get all those things that have been stripped away from him, or that he feels that. Wake is keeping under lock and key in the lantern, but Wake is as deprived of all those things as he is. They're mm-hmm. fighting the wrong people, essentially. Yeah, what you can see when they're together and drunk, right? And they're together and you see they're both obviously not in their right mind anymore. Yeah. Right? And they're both drunk. They both feel like mm-hmm. they need something, crave something, but mm-hmm. can't really get it from each other, right? But So it's kind yeah. of a weird dynamic going on there. I've, yeah. I've heard people describe it as a very socialist film in that setting, <laughs> where they are kind of they're fighting each other but really it's the shitty work conditions that they should be fighting yeah because um wake at some point says like the knife the like winslow steals the knife and like oh should you give that back that's government property yeah so if you want to do a very marxist reading of it it's like oh they should rebel against like yeah. the government who put them in place and created this system for them in which uh, laborers fight amongst each other and his wages are a huge thing because Wake multiple times says, I'll dock this from your wages or I'll make sure that you will be fired without being paid for the work that you did. And that is ruinous to Winslow, who clearly is a very poor man. Otherwise, you wouldn't do this kind of job. Yeah. So it, 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 this capitalist system is somehow very important in this film. Yeah, which also indicates that Wake is in power, right? Because he's able to say, you won't get any yeah. wages if you behave like this. And his stupid little ledger that he gets yeah. to write everything in yeah. that he just makes up or doesn't make up. Yeah. Because Who knows? Like we said, uh, when we're watching the film, Wick gets really upset because the floors aren't done. But we never see Winslow do the floors specifically. No. And the thing always looks like you got to give Wake credit. The floor always looks like crap. Yeah. It really does look grimy. So, yeah, maybe he doesn't do them. I think the only work he does... And it does well is when it's directly for the lantern. Yeah, getting that's what you see him doing the most as well. You're like um, moving mm. coals back and forth, um, making sure there's oil up there, mm. just anything to get himself closer to the lantern. Yeah, and to keep it working. Oh, that would be the worst. Like, c- could you imagine? Like, the only thing you really have living for, and like, if you don't do your job properly, mm. it might die out. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that would keep you working. And that's sort of, if we want to keep the Marxist analogy going for a little bit, what if, like, the light is, I don't know, uh, anything you might believe in, you know, religion, which Marxist has, has Marx called that opium for the people? Is that, was that him? Well, I was going to say the light is the American dream. Mm-hmm. It's that idea of, I just want to make my wage like, a, like every other man and raise a roof of my own. It's the idea that if you just work hard enough, you get to climb the ladder you have to be on top and then you have that uh, that position of power. Mm-hmm. And it's fake because Wake doesn't have those things because he's still working on the lighthouse and he supposedly has been doing this job for ages. Yeah, yeah. and when Winslow finally finds the light, you see what happens to him, right? Yeah. So it's obviously not really that great of a dream, which yeah. fits the marks this reading again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also... Um, this thing will probably touch upon a, a different video if you ever uh, arrive at the film Parasite. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that you can't move up on the social ladder without mm-hmm. pushing somebody else down. Yeah. Um, because Winslow... No, yes, Winslow has to kill Wake before mm-hmm. he can 
get to the position he wants. Yeah. He can't even through his he can't achieve it through his hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is Wig dead at the end of the film? <laughs> is Wig even alive? Is he even alive? Who is yeah. Wig? Is he is yeah. this just Thomas Howard freezing to death in Canada? Yeah. Um, um if, if we're assuming that everything that we see is happening in some mm-hmm. way or form, that is really interesting that we see Windsor's corpse outside and naked at the end of the film, even yeah. though he died fully clothed inside of the lighthouse. So someone dragged him out of there for the girls to eat. Yeah. Okay. What could happen is it, it, there's this sort of logical explanation for why he's naked. Mm-hmm. Because the thing that happens when you suffer from hypothermia, which he would have if he's cold and wet outside, is that you actually start feeling really warm. But how like, did he get outside? Crawling. Well, why would he go outside if he can also stay inside where it's warm? Maybe he rolled outside, you know, because he was <laughs> yeah. falling down the stairs. He's rolling outside and his pants yeah, fall like, off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <and> I, <laughs> I, I like the idea of Wake being alive because uh, then it's even more for nothing. Yeah, but did you see how he ended? Like, he oh, got, a, he got axe, a pickaxe right? in his head, so that uh, seems really off that he's alive, right? I was thinking he just got hit with the kettle and then no, went to... No, 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 right, he did with it the axe. It might be a hallucination, of course, as all the other things. Yeah, right? yeah. so... Might, he's better skull and twain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because, like, that's the fun thing about the black and white thing, because his, his face is just caked in what you assume mm-hmm. is blood, but it could also just be that he... It indeed hallucinating and just sliced open the, the oil canister and there's just uh-huh. oil all over his face. Uh-huh. Yeah, or his wet mud. Mud, yeah. Anything could be anything. Yeah, yeah and then we just arrive to the question, or at least the one that we've been dancing around, and that's what is real in this film? What is really happening? What is all inside of Windsor's head or Wake's head? And does it even matter? It doesn't matter to the film, because it clearly doesn't matter to the director either. You mm-hmm. know, if Robert Eggers goes like, hey, you can figure out for yourself, you can decide for yourself what's real, mm-hmm. then clearly the film doesn't care. Yeah, because he did say that, at least Rob so, said that, that that's what he was told yeah. in the interview. So, if we let go of that notion that the film doesn't care, then it's up to us, right? Then it's up to whatever we feel mm-hmm. the film wants us to make us feel. I'd like to believe that both wake and winslow are real mm-hmm. um and that most of the things that you see do happen uh and that winslow of that wake is making winslow mad on purpose sort mm-hmm. of gaslighting him and sort of poking him and whatever turn he can get like giving him the mermaid symbol and stuff giving like him that. the mermaid symbol yeah start starting from day one and sort of making him doubt when he's going to leave and stuff and then when Winslow chases him down, convince him that uh, that the wake chased down Winslow with an axe, mm-hmm. convince him that it's the other way around and such. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's doing that on purpose because he's actually been there a really long time, mm-hmm. like in the job and on the rock, and he wants Wake to uh, Winslow to kill him. Oh, okay. I think yeah. Wake wants to die, doesn't have the guts to kill himself, and is just egging on person after person he did it to his other second in command who either they got into a scuffle and he killed Mm. him or killed himself or just got legitimately got uh, went mad Uh and then Winslow came along and he finally succeeded in snapping somebody to end him yeah that's what I think yeah I like to think of it as more like a fairy tale or something like that or like a, a poem 
even where it doesn't even matter that much where, if these are real people, but they're more um, symbols or characters in this parable. And I like to think of them as young and old in that way, where they are, these people, they are young and they're old, they're trying to, that are fighting for survival over each other and they're just going round and round like that in the, like the lighthouse does basically. It's this fight over who gets to be on top, who gets to be, well, literally on top in the lighthouse. What we, we talked about it before, the lighthouse being this phallic symbol as well. Um, who gets to have the power over the other person. That's what I like to think about it. So then it doesn't matter what really happens and what doesn't because it's all part of the narrative. Right, yeah. I hope that was kind of clear. It felt really woolly. No, I get no. what you're going for. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of fine. I think I understood as well. I also like the idea that they're both alive mm. and that basically Winslow is just hallucinating a lot, right? Because yeah. Yeah, the film allows for that reading, I guess, because you have like these things that Wake has been writing up, you know, and he gets really angry when he reads them because in his mind they didn't happen. And also with the idea of hallucination that even that his expectations usually uh, that he creates in his head also create what happens on the screen yeah. right so he expects this mermaid to be this kind of thing and then but it's kind of weird so he gets to, like the imagination of the imaginary sex with the mermaid the light you know that he kind of starts screaming and that he's all overwhelmed because it was too much because it's what he's always been working towards yeah. that kind of stuff that he just basically hallucinates everything together yeah in, be in between the lines that the actual stuff that they do together at night is what actually happened oh. but that the rest around it is all his hallucination and that just keeps keeps happening yeah. based on his expectations that's really interesting oh, i really like that yeah so basically what you're saying especially with the light that the the light is as as bad as he'd imagined it, basically. Mm. Oh, Self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah. And there are a lot of prophecies in the in the text. Yeah, definitely. Like the gulls and uh, mm. Prometheus, as you said. Yeah. Um, I also like, there's a lot of prophecies and also like lots of other illusions in Greek mythology. It also really um, reminded me of uh, Icarus near the end, mm. of course, because Icarus got too close to the sun and then was fell back down to earth and died. Yeah. Um, mm. And also reminded me of Sisyphus, is that how you say that in English? I think so. Sisyphus, where, who, um, um, whom had to roll a boulder up a mountain in the underworld as a, his punishment for, I think, feeding, trying to feed his son to the gods. Was that him? Yeah. There's, uh, you have the other one as well who like can't eat or drink. That's Tantalus. And I, and I never know with, who did what. Yeah, anyway, so Sisyphus has to roll a boulder up a mountain and uh, once he gets there the, to the top, the boulder just rolls back down and he can start over again. <laughs> yeah. And that, I think, is just this film in a nutshell. Yeah. You know, Winslow just does the same job all day, every day, and it's never good enough and he has to do it all over, ten times over, if yeah. Wake asks him to, and he'll do it smiling. <laughs> and it just comes to a climax at the end with him getting to the top of the mm. stairs yeah. I also like this idea of Wake just being a prophet, right? That he mm. uh, alludes to the fire. Yeah. He says all these kinds of weird, all this kind of weird stuff. And after he dies, he takes the power for himself, right? And then it all comes tumbling down because he doesn't have his prophet anymore. His religion, his faith is yeah. unknown. Ah, oh, that's really interesting. That's really nice. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. And just in case anyone who is listening doesn't know about, isn't really familiar with the myth of Prometheus. So Prometheus in Greek mythology is the person, the god that stole 
uh, fire to give it to people. And that is sort of what kicked in humans' um, ev- technological evolution, I suppose, yeah. but also made them too powerful in the eyes of the gods. And uh, as such, they felt the need to punish Prometheus. So he got chained to a rock. Yeah. And every day to... Vultures. vultures would come and eat his liver and then at night it would grow back and then that would happen over and over again yeah and um, visually that is would be is probably what is being referenced in the final yeah. scene yeah in which winslow lies mm-hmm. naked on the beach being yeah. eaten yeah. alive by birds yeah. which is coincidentally well i think most people's worst nightmare but grace's worst nightmare of all because <laughs> yeah. as we established before grace hates birds yes so when we went into this film, we had no idea what it was going to be. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be scared unless it's going to be about scary birds. <laughs> so. And then it's just cool. seagull color. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Also, talking about prophecies and mm-hmm. um, seagulls, we need to mention the rhyme of the ancient mariner, of course. Mm-hmm. With like As it's... good English literature students. Yes, definitely. <laughs> when... Like Winslow kills the bird, of course he dooms himself and mm-hmm. is doomed to be out at sea until his dying day. Right? That is a um no. I don't think he can die. I think that's kind of the point in the Rome of the Ancient Mariner. Yeah, because he oh no, because he's tasked with uh warning other sailors, right? Yeah. Is that his thing? Yeah. And he has to wear the dead bird around his neck. Around yeah. his neck. And what a warning he gives. Yeah. Yes. Also, there's more. There's more around with the right to the ancient mariner in there. Like you have also have the water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. That's in the around with the ancient mariner as well. Exmach. Yeah, I only know that from the. <laughs> the only reason I know that is because of the Iron Maiden song, <laughs> <laughs> which is a really good song, by the way. Go listen to the song. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's also apparently based on an Edgar Allan Poe story called The Lighthouse, but I haven't read it. No, me neither. So if you've read it, educate us in the comments. Yeah, please do leave comments. We love those. Yes. Um, there's probably a lot of Moby Dick in there as well because. He does uh, call him Captain Ahab. Yeah, I like that, but I like that it sort of flips on his head because he says, "I'm so sick of your Ahab bullshit." Yeah. I really like that, but I, of course, like the the whole thing of Moby Dick is uh, also sort of the unachievable, you know, like the the white whale. Yeah. Um, which also just mm-hmm. sort of can see the parallel between that and the lights. So, mm-hmm. I, and I really like that. Um, it and it also sort of kind of fits the theme of the film, you know. It's just this sort of amalgamation of these fantastical stories that sort of all come together in a jumbled mess. And if you sort of can hear, it's all not quite it, you know, there's elements in there, but it's not one-on-one. Yeah. And that's sort of what's happening in the film as well. There's just these scenes that you can sort of mishmash together, but it doesn't match up one-on-one. Yeah. And if you read all the fairy tales, that's kind of what they're like, because it's stories that are being passed on and on and on. So people add stuff and change stuff, and it always feels a little bit disjointed. Uh, especially if you're used to the very nicely packaged Disney versions of the fairy tales and then you read the original ones and you go on a whole road trip that doesn't connect to the rest of the story, but it sure is in there. Yeah. But I think in general, well, not even in general, we just really liked the film. I thought yeah. it was really good. It was really great. I f- yeah, yeah I, I feel like um, for all the films, we always have some point of criticism to find like oh this was executed a bit poorly but i think 
even on my second viewing, I can find nothing really to fault for the film. But I see Grace <laughs> raising a finger, so she probably can. I, just to preface, I do think it's a great film. It has set a new kind of standard for horror, at least in my personal opinion. But, um, so I've seen The Witch and I've seen The Lighthouse by Robert Eggers. And I'm seeing a theme there that I'm not really fond of, which is scary sexy ladies now i am fond of scary sexy ladies but i feel like it's a very lazy plot device and he did it with the sexy witch who bit the child in the witch and he did it here with the sexy siren who also becomes scary sometimes and i just feel like this idea of female sexuality being scary to men just tires me (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely think that was a bit of a, a a weak spot. I get what they're trying to do with the mermaid and it fits really well thematically, but it's also literally the only female character in the film and she's not even a character. No, she's a set piece. And when you hear people talk about it, they're like, oh, it's just, yeah, she's a set piece. She's a plot device. When you hear people talk about the films, like, oh, it's just these two guys on an island and the actress never gets mentioned. And like, she's there in the freezing cold, you know, tits out stark naked yeah give give this lady some credit she's in the darn film yeah she is she is i'm actually gonna look up her name and give some credit right now yeah um while i type um i i feel do feel like i do agree uh, mm-hmm. when you mention it like that and i have to we i have to rewatch the vivich because um mm-hmm. i do remember that she is called uh, valeria karaman and she is from moldova so, good job on you, Valeria, yes. for being the only female set piece in the film. Do a point. Do a point <laughs> for you Korean friends out there. Do a point to Moldova. <laughs> I had a train and now it's left the station. Yes, the lady. Um, I feel like it's used more effectively in this film, although they could have done it differently. They could have done it with just the effigy. Mm. But I do like that it sort of exemplifies, for me their repressed homosexual feelings because at least wake is really being gay for winslow i feel because like from the moment he walks into the lighthouse he is like uh blue-eyed pretty-faced white i don't think he says blue-eyed okay but he doesn't definitely say pretty-faced though yeah he says uh eyes shining like a like a pretty lady or something yeah exactly and he says that multiple times throughout the film yeah so like Winslow Wake definitely has an eye for Winslow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the the like what you said, like Winslow doesn't get Joey Winslow doesn't get any gratification from uh, masturbating. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel like he just has this really perverted um, sense of sexuality with a woman because he's just that's not, not his nature. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just like, oh, sex with women is weird because it's not like Winslow? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mm. sort of like oh, he's this is the only thing I can wank to because I'm not gonna wank to the other man in the room because mm. that'd be weird. Like that'd be awkward. So I guess I'll just <laughs> wank to this thing with titties because that's what normal men do because I'm a strong lumberjack. Okay, but not to be rude, Willem Dafoe just farting and looking gross in that film wasn't exactly no but appealing. <laughs> no, I, I get that, but you know you know what I'm getting at, right? I yeah, I interpreted slightly differently 
um, but in the same vein where I feel like sex for Winzo is a power thing because you see he's doing it in a very aggressive manner. He's always imagining himself on top of the lady and then just like power jacking it basically and yeah. it looks painful and looks aggressive. Yeah, it's also represented that way, right? Whereas uh, Winslow is doing it on the bottom of the tower and <laughs> yeah, Defoe is basically up there doing the same, right? We don't yeah. see him doing it, but we do see his yeah. <laughs> his <Just> result <laughs> yeah. coming down, right? Yeah. So it's kind of nasty stuff. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I also really don't like the the implication at the end where they have like their old fisticuff mm -hmm. and then... Winslow is standing over Wake and he's making him bark like a dog and then he's like, and roll over. It's yeah. like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hungry. Yeah. I was thinking though, it, because when they walk outside, he's wearing his long johns and he's wearing like a waistcoat over it. So if that had happened, they would have had to take all of it off and then put all of it on. And that made me think that it didn't happen. Film definitely wants you to think that it happened, but that... Yeah, the implication is bad enough. Yeah. Okay, here's a different take, though, if we're going with the why was he naked route, what if that did happen and he's just walking around naked the whole yeah. time and he's just imagining him wearing clothes because he's just so out of it. Yeah. What if... Oh, that's a fun... What if they're just, like, butt-ass naked for, like, the, the major portion of the film? I'm glad they weren't. Nope. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the film plays with like that sort of stuff as well. Like, yeah, with they clothing. have a near kiss yeah. as well. Wait, near kiss. was yeah. naked at some point, right? In some really weird like scene for just a second and then he mm. disappeared again. Was it a hallucination again, yeah, I yeah. guess, or something? He right? was standing Which also... uh, on top of the lighthouse and you could see him, like his uh, naked silhouette, right? <laughs> yeah, but also in the house, I believe. Oh, There's okay. also one point where... I think I'm not sure what exactly happens at that point, but he's naked as well, and he's just mm. standing there. And then you go back to whatever. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. Mm. Like he's holding Winslow by the scruff of his shirt, and he's sort of looking him in the face, and then his eyes are beaming into his face. Oh, and he's well, being outside, yeah. Yeah. Naked. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that weird scene where Winslow like goes to someone on the floor, and that's also Winslow, and then he turns around, and then there's Wake with yeah. the beaming eye. At some point, this is fairly early in the film, if you want to go with the homosexuality route, um, they're smoking, right? Mm -hmm. They're smoking the whole time. And at some point, um, if you want to get really like metaphorical with this, Winslow smokes cigarettes. Mm -hmm. Wake smokes a pipe. Yeah. And there's a point in which they switch. Mm -hmm. And Winslow is smoking Wake's pipe. Yeah. Make it that what you will. <laughs> it also might be the power symbols again, right? Because like the pipe is more of an old people yeah. thing, mm -hmm. and cigarettes more of a young people thing. So that he wants to be, the, you know, like the one in power. So he uses the pipe. Yeah. Yeah. Man, the acting in this is just so good. Definitely. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The acting, the whole aesthetic, like even thinking about that pipe, you just know that Robert Eggers like looked up a billion pictures of like time accurate pipes to make sure that they had one that that fit i am so glad that it's in black and white mm -hmm. because um not for one second this makes so much sense it just makes uh -huh. sense there's not a, a single second that i would want to know what color everything is <laughs> i really couldn't care less 
because what color their shirts might be mm. or what color the, the the can of beans is that they're eating or what the liquid mm. is that they're drinking it just makes so much sense for the whole um isolated vibe and just the grittiness of mm. the whole situation yeah, it's this uh, dis- discomfort that you feel while watching it right because yeah. you feel discomfort from beginning to end you never know what actually mm. is going on what you're supposed to feel and a lot of it is really 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 not nice to watch i mean it's a great film right yeah but so it's, it's not always pleasurable to watch yeah no. and it is that thing by making it black and white you are always searching for the light i'm sorry that that rhymed yeah. but that's the whole, whole thing the light looks even brighter because they filmed it in it filmed it in black and white and that thing that you said about it feeling closed off that is highlighted by the fact that the ratio is basically a square <laughs> yeah yeah everything it's so good it's boxed in i love the initial shot as well when winslow walks in mm-hmm. into the dormitory and you can see that wake's bed is already made but it doesn't really click with you mm-hmm. and then you just hear this like liquid clattering noise uh-huh. and you can and then you realize that wake's actually there pissing in a bowl but you can't see him because he's just behind the pool uh-huh. and it's so good it's so good it's such a good way to establish like yes this is how we're going to film this film be amazed you know and then yeah. he just walks out into the frame it's so good the language is really brilliant as well it is poetry at sometimes it's really beautiful mm-hmm. elevated language hard for non-natives mm-hmm. <laughs> i could have done with subtitles yep. <laughs> at times but yeah, me too me too yeah but i even though it's hard to follow sometimes mm-hmm. um the language didn't feel unnatural to me no it made sense and it and the way it is acted it just feels like this is how these people are supposed to be speaking yeah. and i'm just along for the ride i am completely accept that this is how these people sound and i think that's an amazing thing that i guess did in the in the witch as well I was going to say Divovich, um, where he uses old-timey language, but it doesn't feel like you're watching this heavy period piece that you can't get into. No. It just feels really natural. Even if they were uh, speaking in a certain dialect that we're not familiar with, even if they're speaking in a certain rhythm that we're not familiar with, or at least that we usually don't use, yeah. so well done. I think it's also it's also a bit easier because Wake has like this really big sailor thing going mm. on with this voice, right? But Winslow is not that hard to understand usually, yeah. right? He's pretty clear, so that makes it easier to get the general gist of what's going on, even if it's sometimes somewhat unclear. Yeah, I yeah. definitely agree. And I liked what you said when we finished watching it, or maybe when just about end of the film, that their voices seem to intentionally be softer because it gets... Uh, what would you say again it was? So, like, there are all these kind of, uh, like, effects going on in the film, right? The annoying buzzer, the, oh. the sounds of the birds, like, all kinds of stuff going on, the rain. And their voices kind of sound soft every now and then. So they're kind of hard to understand, not only because they speak in a certain way, but also because they're just soft-spoken in the film. As it, it seems as almost as if they dimmed the sound of the spoken stuff so that they can, like... Mm-hmm accentuate all the stuff going on with the with the sounds right yeah to add that kind of flavor to it yeah definitely and also um that the the sounds sort of shift back and forth in how loud they are um because that makes sense because your mm. your mind just goes to different things at different times so at some point 
if you're there for a long time, you're like, oh, this fucking horn again, you know? <laughs> or the fucking <laughs> birds again, you know? And other, or, like, wakes, farts, you know? You're just Your mind is drawn to different things mm-hmm. at the time. So I like that they sort of play with the flow, always, yeah. almost like how the waves of the sea sort of go back and forth. When we were doing um, a 10 candle session set on a boat, I wanted to use the Lighthouse soundtrack for ambience, but it's just a freaking horn, <laughs> so I'm not going to listen to this again. <laughs> Nobody yeah. was entertained. No. Yeah, we were definitely, I feel like we were all kind of dreading hearing that noise again for yeah. an hour and a half uh, on this rewatch. And it was annoying it once was again. It was so annoying. You never get used to yeah. it. Yeah. That's that's the brilliance of it. It's not really unnerving. It's really just annoying. Yeah. And yeah, and it's established so well because it's like the first day of work for Winslow, and it mm. just blares into his ears, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, god damn it!" I think they did a good job though because it it never interrupted a scene. It was there. It was annoying. You were always hearing it, but it never interfered with the acting or what was going on. No, it was actually really well executed. But that's yeah. the kind of the thing of it, right? They execute these things really well because yeah. it never gets in the way of the acting, whatever's happening, right? They yeah. do that really well. It has to be such a hard film to make <laughs> as well with the conditions of the island. I know they just built everything on the island. Like, they built the lighthouse and it had to be a lighthouse that they could open up so the, um, the camera people could be there <laughs> and the sound people could be there. Uh, and I think they actually build their own cameras because they don't make those cameras anymore. So they had to like find old material and kind of piece them together. Oh, that's actually really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's really brilliant. On that note of appreciation, that might be a good time to end the podcast because mm. uh, this has been a long one. <laughs> um, but before we do, I want to give a shout out to uh, a few people. I think you mentioned uh, Acolytes of Horror. Yes. Um, they have the, yeah, they raised some of the interesting points that we also touched upon. So definitely mm-hmm. go check out their videos. Mm-hmm. And I also want to thank some people from Instagram who uh, shared our first podcast and uh, who have uh, been really supportive. I uh, want to thank uh, Eloise Ivy, uh, Bo Camus and Afke van Pelt for supporting us. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a little um, behind-the-scenes magic, if, in case you're wondering why am I only being shouted out now. We re- usually record these four at a time, so it might. if you do a suggestion or you leave a comment, it might take us four episodes to respond to those. But so, we will. But we definitely will, because we love all the suggestions and comments you leave, and we'll definitely try to keep in touch with you all. Yes. So, uh, on that note, I've been Wouter. I've been Grace. I've been Joey. And, and you've, you've been, been slashed. <laughs>